Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you, get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message. to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, I don't know about you, but I, I really feel it when, when we don't have church. Like, I, I really feel it, and I am so glad to be here with you. I, I just, I am. Um, Bill Watterson said through his character, Calvin, from Calvin and Hobbes, he said, getting an inch of snow is like winning 10 cents in the lottery. And uh, we didn't win 10 cents, we won the lottery, baby. And uh, so we, I, I hope your kids enjoyed their snow day. Uh, before I get going, I just want to say this. So uh, every time that we have to do something like adjust because of snow, I have people that say things like, oh, our pastor's from Alaska. Uh, tough Alaskan has to stop for snow. Uh, so let me explain to you. Let me explain to you. So... A couple of things. Number one, like back home, like it'll snow way more, but then by morning it's gone because like Nampa has like one plow. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe maybe, maybe a couple dump trucks that have plows on them, but that's not a plow. And so like, uh, so our roads, uh, they, they struggle. But here's the thing. When we make decisions to cancel uh, church, just know that we're not, um, we're not really, we're considering the, the parking lot, which number one, our parking lot, we didn't, we weren't able to get it plowed. There was some miscommunication. We weren't able to get it plowed, but, but the parking lot, but often around here, you'll find that the main roads are good. And so people say, oh, it's good. Roads are good, but it's not the main roads that get bad here. It's the neighborhoods that get really bad. And so um, we're making decisions not based on how the boulevard looks or how the highway looks, but we're making decisions based on how people's neighborhoods look, because the last thing we need is uh, someone in our church uh, getting up for Sunday morning and being stuck 10 feet out of their driveway for the next two hours. And, uh, and so we make those kind of decisions thinking about that. Um, and the other thing is, in, in my ministry, my most terrifying moment ever was a snow day. We had a snow day in Alaska, and uh, our children's minister was nearly killed. Because when you have snow days, you have people that get stuck, and you have people that become heroes. And when you have people wanting to be heroes... Bad things can happen sometimes. <laughs> Dangerous things happen. And so that's, that's, that's why we make that decision. And I'm glad we don't have snow now. So that's good. We, we don't have snow. Um, hey, I, I just want to say this before I get going, that I, I just really believe that uh, there are some, some men and women in this room today, and, and you've got what you would call like an insurmountable mountain a circumstance in your life that hasn't changed, just some something. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a business opportunity. Maybe it could be anything. But there's, I feel like there's people with, with something in their life that you've just been waiting for that thing to resolve itself. And I just want to say that at the beginning of 2020 or 2024, oh, God, then it gets back to 2020. 20, it was like the worst year ever. You know how many preachers started the year like 2020 and 2020, right? It's like you didn't see nothing. <laughs> but I just believe that there's a lot of people that, that you, you're coming into the year thinking life is just going to be as normal. And I just want to encourage you. I, I just really felt this during the first service. And, uh, and, and I want to say that I, I really believe that there's a, a spirit of prophecy that is coming over the church. And there's some men and women that what you need to be doing is prophesying over that area of your life that you're stuck in. 
I'm saying like there needs to be some, some wives that need to begin prophesying over the marriage. There, there needs to be some young people that begin prophesying about what God's going to do through their education. I'm just, I'm just saying there's, there's some business leaders in, in this room that you spend a lot of time crunching the numbers, but I'm just telling you, there is something that happens when the men and women of God speak out what they see God doing. In, in fact, I would say this, if that's you and you've got something that you're believing God for in 2024, uh, what I would encourage you to do is take the prayer card that's right there in front of you uh, and, and write down something that begins with this phrase, I am believing God for, and then fill in the blank. And that way, during our 21 days, uh, you've got people that are praying with you and believing with you uh, in whatever that area is that, that God is, is you're believing God for in your life. Is that all right? All right, I got seven of you that, that are okay with it. The rest of you. Um, so uh, real quick announcement. Groups, uh, groups are coming up soon. Groups are coming up soon in the life of the church. And I just want to say this. Um, I, I will have people tell me things like, I just feel disconnected. I don't feel like I have friends in this church. That's a horrible feeling. I acknowledge that. But what I will say is those feelings most often come during times when we miss church for a period of time. And more importantly, they come when we're not connected in a group. If you feel disconnected, you need to be in a group. What I'm saying is you're not going to get the same sort of relational connection in a church like this, that you will when you gather in someone's house, there's a small group of people having a conversation and eating food. Like th that's how relationships are built. So get in a group. Do it. Do it. Thank you. Do it. That, that, that's, that's genuinely how you're going to grow. That, that thing of I feel disconnected, it happens when you're not in a group. And it happens often between groups when you're not connecting with the people that you've been in group with, right? It's not just a program. It's a way we develop our relationships with other people. It's just a tool. And so, so do that. And, and I would say for some of you, you're in the room today and you, you would like to lead a group. Uh, we would love for you to lead a group here at Celebration Church. Uh, you can come. We've, it's actually, there's a group leader training uh, directly after the service. And I know that's last minute. We've had snow days. And so uh, you can go to that group leader training. You don't have to be like a spiritual ninja to be a group leader. Okay, we'll train you. We'll train you how to be a group leader. So we, we want that for you uh, because honestly, like God does his best work in relationships. In fact, God disciples people in relationship. God, Jesus, you don't see Jesus discipling individuals. He evangelizes or reaches out to individuals. But when he's growing people, he grows them in groups every time. Every time. Um, so, all right. If you got that, if, there, if there's a, like, a, like, like a simple vital thing that would change your life, my question would be, what would it be? What, what would be that one thing that would drastically change the direction of your life? Because... For so many of us, when we think about real life change, whether that's our, our marriage just becoming healthier, whether that's uh, maybe our business becoming profitable, whether that's maybe our walk with God and our maybe a ministry he's called you towards being developed and cultivated. So, so many of us, we get so fixated on the monumental task of of accomplishing the big goal that we don't recognize what are the small individual steps that lead us there. What is like the one thing that, 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 that would get you there? And I would say this, that for, for a lot of us in this room, like we, we've experienced that to kind of get where maybe God's placed something in your heart and to get there or, or to do anything in life, you've just learned that it just takes a massive amount of energy to accomplish anything. 
Like maybe for you, just to be able to finish that project you started in your garage, it's just a lot more energy than you thought it was going to take. Maybe for you to graduate high school or, or college, it's just taking a lot longer and a lot more energy than you were thinking that it would take. Maybe, maybe for you, you're a, you're a teacher, and uh, it's just taking a lot more energy to get those kids to listen to you after a snow day, right? Maybe for you, you've got a, a newborn baby, and, and although you love that child, and though you've got great dreams for where she's going in life, the truth is it takes a lot of energy just to get off the ground with that thing. Or maybe for you, you're just in a season where you've been maybe a little more discouraged than normal. And it just takes a lot more energy for you to get out of bed than it has in the past. Can I tell you that sometimes the hardest part is simply the first move in the right direction? Sometimes the hardest part is the passion and the energy to start. It's, it's not finishing the project. It's starting the project that is the hardest part. It's not prayer that is hard. It's the will to pray that is hard. My question for you today would be this, like, when, when you've got like a direction that you feel God is calling you towards, when you've got, got a, uh, an ambition, a holy ambition in your life, and you're moving towards that, my question for you today is how do I stay motivated to do the right things when I'm not seeing results? How, how do I keep doing the right things even though there's, there's really no change in my life. And, and I think for me, this is something that I go through every January. Pretty much every January, February of every year, I go to Planet Fitness for January and February, and then I realize there's no results, you know. <laughs> I'm done with this thing. It's a waste of my time. I, like, I get through some good audiobooks, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's audible. I, the audible credits are worth it. <clears throat> but, but really, I feel like there's no results sometimes when I, when I work out. And my question is, what do you do? Simmer down, simmer down. <laughs> Said the trainer. So, so, so what do you do when, you, when you're trying to treat your husband right, but the results you're hoping for aren't happening? What do you do when you're trying your best to live for God, but no one in your, in your family loves the Lord? And you just don't see the results that you are hoping for. In the, in the book of Zechariah, we, we see this situation play out. Zechariah is an Old Testament prophet. And as an Old Testament prophet, this means that he's, he's a man that would hear the voice of God. We believe through scripture that he received encouragement from God that he received confrontation from God, that he had visions from God, and that he actually had a conversation with an angel. And maybe you're here today and you're like, that's pretty far-fetched to think that a human had a conversation with an imaginary angel. I'm not here to twist your arm. I'm just telling you what Christians believe. And Zechariah is in Scripture, and as he's having this conversation with an angel, the angel is talking to him about the temple in Jerusalem, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, and how it had been destroyed and rebuilt. In fact, this has happened several times throughout history that the, the temple was destroyed and rebuilt or that the people of God came into the land and left the land and came into the land. Like That's why this whole situation that's going on in the Middle East, this is not an 80-year-old conflict. Abraham was promised the land of Israel thousands of years ago. And the story of the people of God is coming in and out of that land. And it's, as, they, as they turn away from God, God removes them from the land. And as they turn towards God, God brings them back to the land. I would just tell you this, if, 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 you, if, you, if you don't understand that situation, this is not an 80-year-old post-World War II issue. This, this is a, a several thousand year old 
situation where the people of God were promised a land. And as believers, we believe the Bible. And the Bible says that that land was promised to the children of Israel. Why are you so political? It's not political. It's, it's, it's biblical. It not only is it biblical, it's also in the Quran that the, that the people of Moses were given the land. <clears throat> All right. Don't talk about things like that, preacher. Okay. I won't. <laughs> so so God, is speaking to, or God is speaking to Zechariah about a man named Zerubbabel who is rebuilding the temple of God. And uh, Zerubbabel is, is a fun name. Maybe if you're here today and your name is Zach or Zachary, you can see how like your name kind of comes from Zechariah. That, that's kind of a biblical name. Uh, if your name is Zerubbabel, <laughs> we need to talk to your mama. You know what I'm saying? She was being a little too fancy. Like, that's... Zerubbabel, that's a mouthful, that's a big name. And he's the one that's building the temple, and he's the one that God is speaking to Zechariah about. And here's what the Lord says, or the angel of the Lord says to Zechariah. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The angel of the Lord is telling Zerubbabel, that what you're trying to accomplish, rebuilding the temple of God, establishing a place for the presence of God to be housed, that that will not happen because of your grand strategy. It will not happen because of your expert management. It won't happen because of your force of energy, and it won't happen because of your HR department. But there are some things that don't come because of force and strength. There are some things that only come by the Spirit of the living God. I'm here to tell somebody today that there may be an area of your life that you've been leaning into, trying to put all of your energy, all of your thoughts into, all of your strategy into, and it just seems like you're spinning your wheels. Can I tell you it might be time for a different strategy? Instead of trying to be more creative and work harder and put in more hours, it might just be that you need to call on the Spirit of God and let Him be the one that drives the ball forward. You know what I'm talking about? Like that loved one that's far from God that you've been just trying to twist them and convince them of faith and trying to, trying to manipulate them into somehow believing in Jesus. It will never happen through manipulation. Some things only happen through the power of the Spirit of God. So Zerubbabel is, is chomping at the bit. He's not some passive, weak man that's just looking for an out to not build the temple of God. Zerubbabel is an aggressive man that is wanting to build what the house of God is supposed to be. And yet the Lord says, it's not gonna be because you're so good with your resources, Zerubbabel. It's not gonna be because you're so strong, because you're such a good leader, you're such a good administrator, but it's gonna happen because of the spirit of God. Have you ever tried to make something happen and it wouldn't happen? No matter how many times you tried to make it happen. Where in your life are you trying to force something to happen? That's probably a good thing, but you're trying to force it to happen. And on your own force and on your own strength, it isn't working out. Where is that? Is it in your marriage? It is, is it in the way you parent? Is it in just your relationship with the people around you? Is it in the workplace? Is it in your church? Where is it that you're trying to force something to happen that isn't happening? Because what is in front of Zerubbabel is no small task. This is not an easy thing that's sitting in front of him. This is a, a big thing that's in front of him. And God says this. Essentially, God is saying, Zerubbabel, I love your enthusiasm. But this will not be done by enthusiasm. This will be done by the Spirit of God. This will be done by the, the Spirit of God. Because some things you cannot force. 
That loved one you want to live for God, you cannot force them to live for God. You cannot out Jesus Jesus. That situation you're trying to, to make turn out the way that you feel like would be best, you can't make it turn out the way you want it to turn out. Instead, I'm telling you, there's a better way than rolling up your sleeves. And it's trusting the Spirit of God. Now, you may be hearing me, and you're like, well, preacher, that's, that's cute and all. I don't like that. It sounds real passive. It sounds like you're just saying, just sit on your hands and wait for things to happen. Can I tell you that the one telling you this has a very limited number of passive bones in his body? Like, I'm, I'm somebody that, that has an opinion about just about everything. I, I've learned to keep my opinions to myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, at some point in your life, you're like, oh, I, have a, I got opinions and everybody needs to know them. And then you learn, no, not everybody needs to know. <laughs> I got opinions. Uh, I, I like to make things happen. And, and can I just tell you that there, there's, there's going to come a time in your life when you recognize it doesn't matter how strong your opinions are doesn't matter how you think things should turn out. doesn't matter how hard you force something or how much strength you put into it. There are some things that really should be left up to the Spirit of God. There are some things we really should surrender to God. When that child starts to go astray, don't go nagging them. Start praying that the Spirit of God would wake them up in the middle of night. That the Spirit of God would keep them safe when they're making stupid decisions. That the Spirit of God would hold them until the time that Jesus Christ intends to heal them. I'm just saying God has a plan that is so much bigger than our ideas. So much bigger than what we want to do. What seems impossible with people is possible with God. I'm saying like you may feel like I just don't have... I don't have the resources to do what God has put in my heart. And I'm just telling you today, like, God can do things without the resources you think you need. We can lean on his spirit. What I'm saying is, is like, we can come to a place in our lives where we can, we can lean on the spirit of God. We can have such a relationship with God where he's able to make things happen that you've been trying to make happen on your own for weeks or months. I've told this story here before. But when I was 12 years old, my family moved to Canada. Which was really, as great as that sounds, really cool, unless you're 12 years old and really like baseball, and then not so cool. And when we moved to Canada, at that point in time, the the documentation to be able to receive what's called landed immigrant status. This essentially an American green card. It's called landed immigrant status. In order to get that, it was about 18 months at that time. From time you submit it until the time you are accepted or denied. And my parents moved to Canada on the same day that they turned in the documentation. Which parents have a better plan than that. But when we got there, my mom, who's a praying mama, there's powerful praying. If you're a mama in the house, you need to be a prayer warrior. You need to be someone that knows how to pray. But my mama, she, she, she said, you know what? I'm just going to start praying. And so instead of working the phones and calling her member of the legislative assembly, that's what they call them in there. And instead, of, instead of doing that, she, she decides, I'm just going to pray that God would put our application on the top of the stack. 18 months, but I'm going to pray that God puts our application to the top of the stack. And I'm telling you, in two months, our family had landed immigrant status. Oh, that's really cool. No, my dad was able to get a job and feed our mouths. Because my mom prayed that God would pull out a miracle and do something that could not happen by force or strength. I'm telling somebody, you still got to work. You still got to do it. But God can make a way where there is no way. We serve a miracle working God. We serve a God that can do that kind of things. Zechariah then goes on. It says in Zechariah, it says, it says nothing not even mighty mountains will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. 
He says, he says, it's not by strength, it's not by a force, but by the Spirit of the living God. And, and know this, Zerubbabel, nothing, no adversary, no mountain, no obstacle, no situation will stand in the way of what God wants to do in your life. I'm just telling somebody today that God is the kind of God that can move a mountain. That might be really cute, but when my when my when my sisters when they were young, we grew up in the kind of uh, we kind of grew up in a we call it like a holiness church where that meant like women wore skirts, uh, and so my sisters on the way to school every morning they would walk. There was this hill, like this knoll, and they would walk through the grass at the bottom of the knoll, and the shade would uh, pull up dew from, the, from the, the morning. And so my sisters, every day when they'd get to school, the bottom of their dress would be all wet. And those two little girls began to just pray in their evening bedtime prayers that God would do this, that God would move a mountain. And that's just so cute. Until the highway district decided to put a highway through there, and bulldozers came and leveled the mountain. Come on, somebody. We're like, well, that's just a coincidence. That like bulldozers. Yes, it's just a coincidence, but it's also answers to to two little girls' prayers. It's both. Like, so somebody had planned that. Yes, God works like that. I'm telling somebody today that whatever it is that you feel like is standing, this monumental thing that stands between you and where God is calling you, it will be leveled by the Spirit of God. That, that I, I just keep feeling like that child that just continually has a pattern of making poor decisions, whoever this is for, like God is at work in them even when you don't see God at work in them. God, God is working in ways that a dad's and a mom's voice, he's reaching a part of them that you can't reach in your own voice. Church, we, we just need an unshakable confidence that when God, when God says this mountain will not stand, it will not stand. Here's how Jesus says it. He says it like this in Matthew chapter 21. He says, um, I tell you, uh, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, "May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen." And you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Oh, that's funny, preacher. That sounds like one of those late-night televangelists. Like, name it and claim it. No, that's Jesus Christ. Those are not the words of some preacher. Those are not the words of some religion. Those are not the words of some, 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 some charismatic evangelist that's trying to make money off old people on TV. These are the words of Jesus Christ. That if you would speak to your mountain, it will be moved. That if you would speak to your mountain, he can do a miracle. I'm just saying there needs to be a spirit of prophecy that rises up on the church. And there needs to be some husbands that begin to, or some fathers that begin to prophesy over their children. That you will not stay lost. That God will restore you. That you, there needs to be some mamas that start praying over their children. I'm just saying like there is something powerful that happens when the people of God say, no, like I'm not staying where I've been. I'm moving through that mountain by the power of the Spirit of God. He goes on and it says in the second half of that same verse, it says, and then Zerubbabel set the final, and when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. Zechariah is saying that Zerubbabel, there's going to come a moment in time when this project you've been working for is finished and you lay that final stone. And when you do, it'll all be worth it. Mama, there's going to come a time when that child that's estranged from you comes back and you're going to have a relationship with those grandchildren. I'm, I'm telling that person, you've been trying to start a business and it doesn't seem to work. There's going to come a time when the, when the numbers stop being red and they start being black. I'm just saying there's going to come a time when you put in that 
final capstone and it'll be finished and there'll be celebration and there'll be cheering. Person who's got a call of God on your life, there's gonna come a time when you recognize that you're standing smack dab in the middle of all that God has called you to do. Saying there's gonna come a time when you put the capstone in that, that project and it's finally finished. There's gonna come a time when you put that final stone into that difficult conversation that's been going on for months, and there's finally resolution. There's gonna come a time when you finally see those results you've been looking for. Because here's what you need to know is that when that happens, the people shout, May God bless it. May God bless it. Because we get excited when we finish. We get excited when we finish. It's such a good feeling when you put in that final stone. I'm saying it will be such a good feeling that one day when, when you put in the final stone of building that life you've been working for for so long. It's gonna be such a good feeling when you put in that final stone of that business you're trying to start. It's gonna be such a good feeling when you put in that final stone of that relationship that you're forming. It's gonna be such a good feeling when you put in the final stone of that marriage you've been hoping would be restored. It's gonna be such a good feeling when you put in that final stone that final stone of a family that's been struggling. It's going to be such a good feeling when you put in that final stone of that degree you've been working on, that ministry you've been aiming at. But my question is, how do you get to the place where you put in the final stone? The, the way you get there is you start. The way is simple. You simply start. We, we will ensure that there will be one day when we set a final stone in our life when we begin by taking the first stone today. So many of us, we, we wait for tomorrow, but can I just tell you, like if you wait for tomorrow to have the answers of today, you will always wait. At some point in our life, we've got to recognize if God is calling me there, I can't be there tomorrow, but I can take one step. I can put in one stone today, just, just one stone. And, and here's the struggle. Here's, here's where the struggle is. The struggle is, is that no one's celebrating you. No one's cheering you on when you're halfway through a 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know what I'm saying? No one's celebrating you when the, all your friends go out to eat at work and, and you say, I can't eat what they're eating. No one, no one celebrates that. Like no, Nobody is cheering you on in the middle of building it. They cheer you on at the end, but no one cheers you on six months into rebuilding the way you communicate in your marriage. No one cheers you on when you're two weeks into a new habit. No one cheers you on when you're halfway in. They only cheer when you finish. Church, there are some Habits in my life, just little steps that no one sees. And I don't get any recognition for them. No one sees it and no one appreciates it. But for me, it matters. Small, hidden steps that happen in the secret place where no one else can see. Just between me and God. No one else sees these things, but I know this, that if I keep doing those hidden, simple steps, it will take me to the place I see God calling me to. Because honestly, the battle is won or lost, not in the glamorous moments, but in those simple steps that no one sees. I'm saying we, we can get so fixated on, on, on having an end result, but I'm just telling you, like, mama, like, like praying mama that's in the room, like, there, there's, no one else may see this, but if you would go to your children's pillows after they've left for school and begin to pray over the place they lay their head, no one else sees it. No one else may ever congratulate you. No one will ever cheer you on and say you're such a good mom, but I'm telling you, those kind of small steps make massive impact in the life of your child. 
young man that's trying to lead a family. Like, no one's cheering you on when you begin to finally save some money. When you finally decide, I'm going to set aside some money. And, and everyone is telling you, no, spend the money. Spend it. Let's have fun. And I'm just telling you, like, no one may cheer you on when you save that first $100. But I'm telling you, it is worth every sacrifice to begin doing now what you need to be done later. It matters. Because here's, here's what happens is we really value the way things end. And because we value the way things finish, so often we never start because the start has no appreciation. And here's what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. He says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And, and then I, I sent the team a second, uh, another slide version, but I forgot to tell them to put it up there because this verse keeps going. It says, the, the Lord rejoices when a thing, uh, the, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. People rejoice. We rejoice when something finishes. God rejoices when something starts. He's saying, he's saying, Zerubbabel, I get excited not when you put the final stone in the building. I get excited when you take out a plumb line. Not one wall is built, but you take out a plumb line and start making sure that the rocks are straight. That gets God excited. I'm telling somebody, like, what God's looking for from you is not a complete, perfect, finished product. What he's looking for is some man or woman that says, I may not have it all together, but I'm going to start by taking the plumb line of God's word and set it up next to my marriage. I have haven't even changed a thing in the way I behave yet, but I'm going to see if my life lines up to the word of God. I'm saying like when we take the plumb line of God's word and we say like I'm worried about my child, but instead of I'm trying to do all kinds of stuff, I'm going to see if my life is plumb, if the way I parent is plumb with the word of God, because God gets excited when we start, not when we finish. Like he, he, He's excited about the finish. He sees the grand finale, but he gets thrilled when we finally begin. Like what makes God excited is when there's, when, when, when there's a, just a blank sheet of concrete and someone goes out there and starts snapping red lines. You, you and I, we, we get excited when they're like, move that bus. Move that bus. And it's like, ah! It's amazing, crying. We love that stuff. God loves the carpenter out there that's going like this, just snapping lines. God loves that. The very beginning step. Before anything looks like it matters. That's what God loves. God loves when somebody just simply has the dream and vision that God has placed in their heart, and they begin taking the small steps towards it. That's what he loves, because we get excited when we finish. God gets excited when we start. He values the finish, but he celebrates the party, or he celebrates now with a party. So my question to you as I'm closing is this. What, what holds us back? What is holding you back from stepping into what you feel like God is calling you to do? What is holding you back from going after whatever that mountain is in your life? What is holding you back? I'm going to give you four things that I think hold us back pretty frequently. The first one is this. It's busyness. Busyness holds us back. Did you know busy is a four-letter word? I'm not saying being busy is bad, but purposeless busyness is not good. Three hours of cat videos. <laughs> not good. What does he have against cats? I'm just saying, 
Church, why is it? Those of you that have have some sort of family history of faith, why is it that your grandparents and great-grandparents found time to pray and you can't? Is it because you have less time in a day? No. Why is it that your neighbor can read through the Bible and you can't? Is it because they have more time in a day? No. The average, the average American is spending hours, multiple, every evening, laying in bed, watching screens. I'm not saying that's wrong. I do it. I love me a good Ted Lasso. Or John Wick. But I'm saying, is it possible that those things might be purposeless and there might be a little more room in your schedule than you think to carve out a time and place with God? What I mean by time and place with God is really simple. I mean, this environment in a church service like this, you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be lifted up, we're going to glorify God. But what grows your faith is not this. What grows, like the Bible says, do not, do not, uh, you know, forsake the assembling of yourselves together. This is important, but this isn't what grows you. What grows you is when you have a time in your calendar every day and a place in your world every day where you meet God. It might be 10 minutes where you just read a chapter of the Bible journal about it, and then pray. It can be simple, but when you have a time and place with God, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Another thing that keeps us from what God is calling us towards is is regret. Just things in the past that bring shame or guilt into our life. Just things that we remember that we did that we shouldn't have done. Things that happened that we wish had happened a different way. And can I tell you that those are the very things that Jesus died for. He died to conquer the power of sin and the consequences of sin. He died so that you would be able to move forward into everything God is calling you to and not be held back by the weight of sin. Jesus cleans it all. The next would be short-sightedness. This is where you've tried it before, but it didn't work right away. You didn't see results, so you stopped. And we all do it. Where you've tried it and it wasn't working, and so you tell yourself, well, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, trying to get different results. That's true. But faithfulness is doing the same right thing over and over and over again, regardless of results. And you and I are called by God to be faithful, not productive. The fourth thing I would say holds us back from taking one small step towards God. And it's self-preservation. You know what I mean? Where we're just so caught up in our own thing, so caught up in our own world and amusements, whatever it might be, that we don't take our step forward. Have you ever been at a traffic light and the person ahead of you at a stoplight, they're looking at their phone? Have you ever been that person? Police officers, close your ears. Don't look around. Every head bowed and eye closed. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you had a traffic light. You don't realize they're on their phone until the the light turns green. And then there's like no convincing you they're not on their phone. Because they're they're just waiting to make that left-hand turn. So you decide, like, I need to give them a little, like, encouragement. Okay. Beep, beep, right, like a, 
Just a gentle, a gentle nudge, beep, beep. Right? Like, if you like lay on the horn, bah, like that's words, right? That's words. We don't do that. We're like, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> we're gentle. <clears throat> What's going on? To, to them or you <laughs> or me when we do that. What's going on is we're so consumed by what's right in front of us that we're not paying attention to what our next step is. And the tragedy of it, the tragedy is that there are people behind you and there's people behind me that are simply waiting for us to take one step. I'm saying we can be so consumed with our stuff that we forget that there are little children waiting behind us. They're waiting for mom and dad to just take one step. We can forget that the boss we work for, although they sign your check, they may just be waiting for you to take one step forward in your walk with God, and they're just waiting. But we're so consumed with what's in front of us, we don't see it. We get excited when we finish. But God gets excited when we start. So church family, what, what is it for you today that would be starting? Maybe it's, for you, it's joining a group. Maybe you recognize that there's just a part of you that just always feels like you're on the outside in every environment. Maybe the first step for you would be to, to say, I'm, I'm going to to get involved with other people. Maybe for you, the next step in discovering your purpose that God has for your life, like just discovering the first steps of your purpose would be to go to Crash Course. It's, it's a thing we have to help you find what God's calling you to do. Is that, is that the, the, the ultimate place your God's calling you to? No, it's just getting the ball rolling. Maybe for you, it's coming back to church next week. Maybe you've never gone to church for two weeks in a row and maybe your next step is to simply become a faithful person. Maybe for you, it's to apologize to somebody. We all have different next steps. Would you stand with me all across the room? Church family, I, I just really believe that God is calling us to just take one step forward. And for some of you, you know that like for you, it's really obvious. Like your step forward is, is pretty simple. It's I need to get right with God. I just need to get right with God. Like that's, that's my, my situation. I don't need to be like Zachariah and hear angels talking. I just need to get right with God. Like you recognize that when, it's, it's almost like when you're in the room with somebody that you have conflict with, you know that tension you can feel just being in the same room as them? For you, it almost feels that way with God. And you recognize there's, there's something unsaid between you and God that needs to be resolved. Listen, it's easy to fix that. It's easy to fix that. I'm gonna show you how in just a second. If, if you're with me and, and you're like, that's my next step. I need to get right with God. Would you just put a hand up so I can see who I'm talking to? I see that hand. I see some, see some bold hands. Yeah, I see those hands. Here's what we do. It's really simple. For, for reconciliation to happen, there has to be a thing called repentance. What that means is we, we simply tell God, like, I'm, I'm sorry for the stuff in my life that I'm saying, doing, thinking that isn't pleasing you. And I want to turn away from those things now. We tell him that. And he's good. He's, he's not going to hold it over your head. He's going to say, yeah, got it. You're forgiven. And then what we do is we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, the Bible tells us that the blood of the Son cleanses us from all sin. And he puts us in a right relationship with God. So if you're in this room and you said that that's for you, your next step is getting right with God. Just pray something like this with me in your own words, something like this. 
God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I'm turning away from them right now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me, that he was buried for three days. He rose again with resurrection power in his hands. So right now, I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made a very big decision. Come on. Most important decision you could have made. There's nothing between you and God, and the enemy of your soul is going to convince you that that stuff's still between you and God. It's not. It's not between you and him anymore. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we confess with our mouths, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That means it's done in the eyes of God. That's good news. Good news. Here's what we're going to do. The band's going to lead us in some worship, but here's, here's what I want to do. There's two... Uh, two sort of avenues I'm going to ask you to go in during the song. One would be, for some of you, I want you to just kind of sense after God for what your next step is. What is the one next step God's calling you to? I want you to ask Him and expect to hear. And some others of you, you came into this room with sickness in your body, a situation in your world. Just you need someone to pray with you. And I want to tell you that our prayer team is going to be down here and they're ready to pray with you. So half, some of you are going to be listening to God for what your step is. Some of you are going to be coming down looking for prayer. And we're just going to believe that God's going to meet you here in the next few minutes. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.